Welcome to Episode 8 of Initial Legal Offering. More legs than a cluster of spiders. Higher rate increases than the Federal Reserve. It's Initial Legal Offering, the latest in crypto news and regulation. This week on the pod, join us as we discuss CFTC Commissioner Brian Quintez, who wants smart contract authors to know that they can be held liable for such predictive codes. Civil fails to reach its soft ICO cap, prompting a refund to investors, and Tether has a roller coaster of a week, triggering a rise in alternative stablecoins. Finally, we'll take an in-depth look at Lisk, the nascent distributed app platform built on JavaScript. Joining us this week as we record from Satoshi's secret underground volcano layer, let's welcome cryptocurrency's most underrated and overeducated panel, also carrying the highest ratio of student loan debt. <laughs> I'm Laura Beth, I'm joined by Jared, Ben, and Sebi. And now it's time for the news. I'm super excited to be here, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. It's a uh, good day outside. Don't care about our feelings. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's your old business. I <laughs> guess you have a client call in a couple of minutes. Is that why you're just trying to rush through that intro? <laughs> Cut, so we'll have to do hurts. some work around here, guys. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Look, I mean, if we could just figure out how to unmute our computers, this thing would get recorded a whole lot it faster. Done, right. it, it, would, it would have been skadone. We're, we're living in the past. <laughs> We're living in the past. Okay, so um, what's uh, what's up first? So up first, we have this CT, CFTC, excuse me, Brian Quintez, the commissioner, is um, warning smart contract designers over predictive codes. So what we what we mean when we say predictive codes is kind of like Augur, where smart contracts are written and they're going to be executed upon the happening of some future event, where um, you know it could be the outcome of a boxing match. Or as so far, some of some contracts have popped up for like assassinations on major political figures. So what he's warning against is that under existing laws, that if they were to be applied to this kind of smart contracts, and you know that execute automatically based on the future events, the contract author could be held liable for that some some of that stuff. Like, so it's it's creating a whole new. Spin it's the Hunger stuff. Games. Essentially, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think this goes a lot further than what he's suggesting as well. I think that smart contract designers or, or developers could be held responsible not only for you know condition precedent contracts, but also for how they design their smart contracts generally. I mean, if you do something on the chain and it ties up folks' funds because you were negligent in the way that you designed it, I think there could be liability there as well. Well, yeah, and, and also too that because smart contracts are they're so new, and, and you know, unless you're in the space, you don't know a whole lot about them. Um, they're almost limitless in their applicability, meaning like you could design a smart contract for any number of things that are already traditionally done by other means. I mean, you think about like real estate contracts and yeah. stuff like that. Those, this kind of stuff would, was done on the blockchain. You're cutting out a lot of different people that have their hands in those pots. So, you know, in using, if the designer of smart contracts intends for it to be used in a way that replicates a traditional financial instrument, then whatever laws that govern that traditional kind of instrument um, instrument is going to apply. So there's a lot of different things going on. Have you, have you looked at Augur and what kind of bets have been going up on there? I've seen a couple of them. Yeah. I've seen some really interesting things, some really random things I can't quite figure out, but then there's the, when is so-and-so going to kick the bucket and, you know, 
someone's going to get assassinated. So with the midterm elections coming up next month, I would, I think it's a fair estimate to say that you're going to see some of those uh, political race, some of those co- contests on Augur. Um, I just think that there's enough interest in the American politis- political sphere right now that somebody wants to gamble. If there's if there's money to be gambled, believe you me, the Americans will find a way to to gamble that money. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike unlike Vegas, what happens on a smart contract is publicly viewable. It's not immutable. So, <laughs> but it's not like Monero, man. So, so the, sorry, I gotta throw the Monero comment out there. Someone's gonna bring that up anytime you bring up openness or or trustlessness or decentralization. The Monero guy's got to step into the room. Okay, so what Brian Quintes was really talking about here is that, or was really warning the the designers about is that contracts you know can usually be written for any number of things unless they're contrary as against public policy or you know to the public interest so yeah the heart of this matter is that betting on whether someone's going to die or not is already illegal and just putting it on the blockchain doesn't make it less illegal it's still illegal and in fact the smart contract author uh can be held liable for that yeah, so it's it's a it's interesting that that he threw this out there. I think I think that people that are the designers that are you know making these smart contracts need to be aware of this kind of stuff. That yeah, it seems like it's a fun way to gamify the blockchain and and to kind of I guess use it as another way to gamble, so to speak. But they need to be aware that some of the contracts that they're creating may not could be, put them at risk. Yeah, it could really? seriously put them at risk. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned the election earlier. Is it is it illegal to bet on the outcome of uh, U.S. elections? That's an excellent question. I would say that it probably is, but I mean, this is blockchain space, so I mean, I'm sure that they. I'm pretty sure that there was one for the 2016 election. I'm pretty sure you can be able all that in Vegas. Hmm. Um, there's people that do take those bets. So jurisdictionally, I know where we're at. Probably not. Yeah, being in North Carolina, but if you know, you're in a state like Nevada or something like that. I mean, I'm sure that they have gaming laws that are on the books and they would actually govern those smart contracts. And a lot of those gaming um, boards require a license system in order to take and receive bets, hmm. uh, make and it, receive bets. So It is illegal to bet on political races in the United States, but if you're outside of the United States, you're, you know, not within that jurisdiction. Interesting. So uh, bookies in other countries may take bets or, or, you know, on the blockchain, take bets on the outcome of American political elections. Do you know this uh, firsthand? Um, I know this from, from the internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering if you've traveled to, like, Nicaragua well, yeah, to place a bets. flight down to Costa Rica next week <laughs> to place these bets for the midterms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I think it's a, a good discussion. Let's move on to the next uh, item. Uh, so yeah, it looks like, uh, the ICO craze might be over. Um, looks like civil has failed to reach their soft cap for their ICO. Um, they were aiming to get at least 8 million up to, I believe a hard cap of 24 million and they only got about one and a half million and, uh, and further, uh, uh big chunk of that was from consensus who was already backing them so yeah i think we were kind of seeing the the deflationary interest here last you know last year there's so many icos and so many new uh new companies and and new startups in the space and the the thing is about this that's kind of interesting is that civil's pretty well known it's not it's not some fly-by-night operation um yeah they were in the news recently for having a partnership with forbes um who said they were going to 
just publish like article metadata on civil and look at uh eventually posting full article content but i mean yeah they're they're not unheard of and uh i I think this is pretty surprising so they are now saying that since they didn't reach their soft cap they are going to be issuing refunds uh to everyone who invested and possibly looking at giving it another go uh, so, down the Sybil road. Civil is the journalism platform. Yes. Uh, content yeah. distribution mm-hmm. yeah, I network. I think we mentioned it when we were talking about that. Yeah. So what I recall about this and when, when we uh, vetted them previously is that they were pushing pretty hard that they had a ton of like confirmed contributors and people like the Washington Post and New York Times were going to be, you know, contributors on their networks Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was like the big thing that they were pushing but it looks like just forbes yeah so they had they were trying they were actively seeking partnerships with new york times and washington post and the dow jones but the only one that actually ever went through was the forbes one which i think we may have touched on here before well look it doesn't take a lot to get become a contributor to the forbes network i think (laughs) you know you got to have a third grade reading and writing level which (laughs) is pretty much a low bar Nothing against Forbes, but I mean, like anyone can become a contributor there. So I don't know what this exactly means for Civil, but if reputable places like New York Times and Washington Post aren't getting getting involved, that's probably a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Do you think people are just ICO'd out? I feel like that's a valid, yeah. <laughs> valid reason there. I mean, I, I think so too. It's You had so many of them and now, you know, a lot of them flop. We went through that list where, you know, an amazing, stunning percentage, which you knew a lot of them were cash grabs anyway. But we've seen we've seen the the numbers of ICOs kind of slow down now. And it's it feels like most of the people who want to get on the ground floor, some of those things have already done that. And they're being very skeptical of any future kind of investments in, in an ICO if there's already, you know, cryptocurrencies that are in the space already operating already with a running network already with miners on the network it's very different than just coming you know to creation with another ico do you think a better explanation is the fact that we're just in a bear market and no one wants to raise yeah i was gonna say i think people are just pessimistic right now um market sentiment yeah uh, yeah overall that was the other other thing i was gonna mention was you know the market sentiment as well as what ben was was saying about so many of these ICOs just not being successful. I think that people are probably investing their money more cautiously than they were a year ago. Yeah, and I think another aspect too that we're we're you know kind of leaving out here is the regulation aspect. So you had all these come out last year, and I mean a lot of them. I mean a ton of them. And this was before the SEC and other various other governmental agencies had even you know solid policies in place. Now now they're working on adopting these policies, but they're also taking action, especially you know for the sale of unregistered security. So they're being, they're, they're, they're obviously going about this a little bit more, you know, fine tooth comb, if you will. And that I think people can see that if they're just going to try and start an ICO, they may, you know, they're going to require a lot of back end work. Whereas before they would just, you know, try to try to get the coin listed and, and things like that without actually trying to jump through the regulatory hurdles. That is uh, basically SEC registration and the Howey test for securities. But now it seems like, yeah, now we know that just saying this is a utility token, not a security, exactly, is, yeah. is not enough to avoid scrutiny from the SEC or anyone else. So, is that that that's the secret sauce? Yeah, like, I still think we've got an ICO that we can do for ourselves here, and um, slowly but surely we're talking through this idea. Yeah, we're gonna get there. We're, we're gonna call it the the not an ICO ICO. Yeah, that not sounds a like a utility ICO. token. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds exactly. very utilitarian. Absolutely. Yes. 
So look, I, I think this is probably a, a good time for us to segue into the the, the last uh, article that we have uh, in the news. And but really, this is like 10 articles. This is really 10 articles combined. I think this is just crypto may be coming a little bit more serious, or this is the death of crypto. Yeah. I'm not sure which <laughs> one it is, but... Um, I don't a little know if, column A, little column B. It's It's been a pretty crazy week. Um, looks like Tether took uh, USDT, took a big old dump in the markets and looks like tether's been at an all-time all-time low at least for the last 18 months dropping oh and this is tether the stable coin yeah. pegged to one u.s dollar yeah. is uh wasn't it that i'm not i don't think anyone really knows who is actually behind tether i think there's a lot of rumors and suggestions but bitfinex is definitely involved for sure yeah um it's uh tether this this last week fell to a low of um 86.9 cents this monday and as a net result people were abandoning and jumping out of tether to get into uh true usd and gemini's new stable yeah coin. well if we're to believe what everything's advertised with tether is that when tether is pulled off the market somebody is exchanging their tether for the actual dollar that's yeah backing the, it. it looked like there were a few reasons for this and one of them is uh it did look like there were coins that were taken out of circulation um presumably uh some exchanges realized they had more than they needed or something along those lines you also you mean uh, one tether isn't backed by one u.s dollar <laughs> <laughs> to be I determined mean, I assume they got the full dollar amount uh, when they cashed out from Tether, but just the fact that those coins left the market. Uh, yeah. You also saw reports of two or three million Tethers being moved over um, to from one exchange to another, and uh, uh, that looked like there might be a big sell-off. And, uh, and there was one other thing I saw as well. They were having further banking issues. They had... Well, Bitfinex had to halt deposits and withdrawals of USD. They later reopened it. Which is um, a result of Bitcoin crashing. Yeah. Yeah. They later reopened it, but uh, were telling the people that were trying to deposit USD that, hey, don't tell anyone the wire details of this. Like, we don't want this information getting out there because it seems like they're still having banking issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it always makes you wonder if some of, some of this downtrend in Tether is related to the other stable coins. We've seen a few more stable coins enter the market here as of recent. Most notably, we've got the Gemini dollar from our friends, the Winkelvoss twins. <laughs> the Winkelvoss. <laughs> Look, I think there's another component to this. I was talking to uh, a buddy. Um, shout out to Pop Pop. Hold tight. Um, Do you have friends? Yeah, just one. His name's Pop Pop. Um, <laughs> if it's family, they're not friends. I yeah, mean, that's they're true. stuck with you My regardless. dad. Uh, no. So shout out to uh, someone who's having a conversation uh, on, on a Slack group that uh, that gets into the nuts and bolts of these conversations. But I don't know if you guys had seen the bank in Puerto Rico that has been backing and holding these funds um, for Tether shut down and has abandoned mm -hmm. their relationship with Tether. I think that Yikes. it's hard to... Maybe that didn't shut down, but it abandoned its relationship and closed its accounts. Right? Yeah, they um they actually did look for another bank to buy them yeah. out. Uh, so. so this bank is the bank that's tied to that actor that's now part of EOS. What's his name? Brock Pierce. Yes. Yeah. So this bank and Brock Pierce has been heavily involved with Tether. I don't think it's just one thing. I think that their algorithm that they've created to tie this Tether to one US dollar probably couldn't handle as much 
manipulation or volatility that was happening. And so, you, you know, you've always seen Tether bounce around a little bit and fluctuate, but losing your bank, having a bunch of other legitimate stable coins come into the market, mm-hmm. having people constantly question the legitimacy of your organization and the people involved and your token, coupled with a giant bear coming out of the woods. You know, it's this is like the perfect storm. This is not what sunk the Titanic. The engineers sunk the Titanic, but like this is just bad design. They just should yeah. have seen this coming. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I- I'm kind of glad for it. I think it gets people back into Bitcoin, which I think is is great. People are going to be abandoning Tether and uh, makes good arbitrage. Yeah. Plus, we've seen a lot of exchanges picking up uh, Gemini dollar yeah. uh, circles, uh, US dollar. True, True USD. USD. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're, all the exchanges are picking these up now. So you actually have a choice if you don't want to yeah, cash and out and you don't like Tether. There are other options for you now. Yeah, and their, their value skyrocketed when Tether dropped. Gemini? Uh, well, when Tether fell to 87 cents, roughly, Gemini jumped. The Gemini dollar went up it like $1.16 or something? Yeah, it was almost uh, one twenty, and um, uh, it... Went back down, of course, yeah, yeah, um, but, it, but there was there was a huge spike there for a minute. So l- let me ask this, and and this I don't want to get too philosophical here, but do you think that crypto space needs stable coins back to the U.S. dollar, or does it fundamentally defy the concept that is crypto? It's uh, it's a bit of both. It's an easier on ramp for most, yeah. because if you're if you're viewing crypto not only as a future means but also as an investment vehicle right now, then you want to be able to quickly change it so you can realize your gains or see your gains in, in US dollars if you're unless you're a long-time hodler. There's you know there's two different schools of thought on that. I think the the also the the fundamental reason that Tether was promoted to the exchanges was that it, it added liquidity between the exchanges mm-hmm. to allow people to transfer and not have to worry about traditional banks handling funds moving between exchanges. But I think there's just been a massive centralization and too con- too much control. Um, the more that I think about stablecoins pegged to at least the U.S. dollar, the more I think that there isn't a need for one. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm leaning the same way here because uh, when you're trading on these exchanges, uh, there isn't a there isn't an actual transfer of crypto happening uh, behind the scenes. It's, it's the platform is doing the trades, and then when you cash out, that's when you actually pull your crypto out so why not just trade against the dollar um why do you why do you need the stable coin there yeah hey i've i've uh, i've got a decent recommendation for any of the the listeners that are into hardcore uh trading <laughs> there is an app that is phenomenal uh, i had a chance to uh speak to someone that actually works there it's called s fox we haven't been paid or endorsed by them to say this but it allows you on one exchange on one platform to change and exchange and play the arbitrage on on one platform between all of the exchanges. Mm. No need to ever move funds between them. And mm. it, it's a platform really built to to manipulate that arbitrage between exchanges. It's ingenious. And they're based out of uh, San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he had a chance to show it to me at the beginning of this week. And it looks amazing. Cool. Yeah, definitely check it out if you've got some time. So that arbitrage between... Um, the U.S. dollar and uh, Tether, excuse me, and everything else was certainly uh, is up for grabs this week. But I think that uh, is a, probably a good opportunity for us to cut off this conversation and start heading to the crypto of the week. What do you think, Ben? Crypto I think that week. sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think we, uh, we've we seen Tether beat itself up too much. We could probably let uh, <laughs> sleeping dogs lie for a minute. So Lisk was chosen from our random number generation last week. 
It uses JavaScript as a programming language. The list code was, the base was forked from a project called Crypti. Is that right? Yeah, Crypti? That's, that's correct. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> okay. Uh, does not use POW or POS, but instead uses consensus algorithm and delegated POS. So POS, you mean proof of stake. Okay. <laughs> just going to take our word for that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to, I don't know. Uh, all I know is um, prisoner of war and <laughs> You're not wrong. It's a, mi it's a mix of both. It's a mix of both. <laughs> this is my, um, my frame of reference for POW. And, yeah. <laughs> and a delegated piece of shit is someone that you elect to Congress. <laughs> yes. Really represented by so, so Lisk is pretty high up there on uh, on coin market cap, right? It's like yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it was twenty seven when we chose it. It's now at uh, twenty nine. So yeah, so it's it's but it's more than just a cryptocurrency. It's, it's, I mean, it's similar to an Ethereum in that it is a a platform that D apps or decentralized apps can be built upon. Yeah, that's right? correct. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this is still a fairly new project uh they actually just released their 1.0 uh of their core software uh just last month beginning of september so this is meant to be a, a main chain with side chains for these decentralized apps there's been one side chain so far there are not any uh as of now i thought there'd been a side chain ico already uh there has been a pre-sale Gotcha, for, but not actual launch. Correct, yeah, yeah um, because the whole sidechain thing hasn't been uh, implemented fully on Lisk yet. So they are targeting uh, early 2019, hopefully. But yeah, a couple a couple projects have already announced that they're going to be launching as sidechains of Lisk. So um, what do you love about this project, Sevi? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm very interested to hear. Um, <laughs> Java, that's... right? It's got to be Java. JavaScript, actually. Um, don't make that confusion, um, or you'll get a lot of angry. Yeah, cut in the at you. Lot. Yeah, <laughs> at a meetup. Java, Java is coffee. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, sure. Uh, and another language. And another language. Just yeah. have mom jokes on the pod too, right? <laughs> no, uh, I'm saying versus JavaScript. So like, I guess I'm, I'm all my, about the my distinction. I'm all for decentralized applications and i don't believe that everything should become a decentralized application right um but i am going to put this position out there i kind of like javascript i i think there is a lot of issues with it but what i love about it is that this is easy the fact that you could create a dap with just javascript you could probably learn JavaScript in two weeks at a, your local community college and get a job earning 400000 a year at your local ICO. <laughs> I mean, it's you would be an expert in two weeks. And that is the central problem of JavaScript. <laughs> is it was meant for non-coders to be able to learn sure. uh, and pick up quickly. And uh, we're not going to make this a huge, big argument about JavaScript. Oh, we're not? Um, no, no. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I think that is going to present some challenges for apps built on Lisk. Uh, just JavaScript being what it is, yeah, with that you get a very large uh, group of people who already know JavaScript, have worked with it, um, have implemented it on websites before, uh, and so theoretically they would be able to take those same skills and very quickly and easily make an app on Lisk, but yeah, there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of headaches that come with building on JavaScript so as well. A, I've got a pretty meta idea for uh, for Lisk. 
we should develop a sidechain and insert JavaScript to mine Monero. <laughs> <laughs> Completely possible based on what they're trying to do. There, one of these projects was already talking about uh, doing decentralized machine learning across uh, users on Lisk. Cool. Why not decentralized Why Monero mining? mining? Yeah. Like truly decentralized. You don't even know who you're mining for. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Yeah, this is a, this is a thing. We should actually, we should make this happen. So look, one of the things I like about the fact that they're trying to do JavaScript is that JavaScript can be inserted on the client side. It doesn't rely on the server side. It's incredibly simple to learn and implement. But the downside is that it is very unsecure and is notorious for being uh, insecure. Yeah. Um, and there is a complete reliance on the end user uh, in many ways, but I don't know that that's going to be as big a problem when you're dealing with hashed functions on the blockchain. But then again, you never know what someone's going to create as a dApp. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see where this go. I do think that it is a, a shortcoming that their roadmap, that they're, they're hedging and hitching their wagon to this being deploying and developing applications just in javascript i think it would have been smart for them like we've seen other projects do this is uh, what was the other decentralized um dap protocol that we reviewed was it zero that no, wasn't zero x loopring no aurora <laughs> what, whatever it was they had different tokens for different languages or they had been at least exploring developing and having instances in various different languages and being able to develop mm. apps in those languages. These guys have hitched their wagon to JavaScript. Right. That That is, a, I think, a shortcoming. Uh, nothing that I've seen in the documentation says that they're doing anything else other than JavaScript, although I'm going to be honest, I didn't spend uh, more than probably 15 minutes looking through this. So I think it's a shortcoming, but at the same time, it could be really powerful uh, in the sense that it, it, it could be fast and easy to create these decentralized... Yeah, I think that's that's mainly why Lisk went with the JavaScript option is that yeah. they didn't want to just do another decentralized platform like Ethereum where you say, hey, you built your dApps here. They wanted it to be developers can do everything, including like design, development, pub publication, and monetization all on, you know, on the same platform, on the one, their one side chain and they can reap the benefits from, you know, from building on top of the Lisk system that way. Now I do see the the problem with them not you know having any other programming languages other than JavaScript available because it does like you said that has its secure issues and or security issues and you know it's not really it's not what most developers are, are using nowadays. Yeah, and part of those issues, um, the the way people have been mitigating security issues in JavaScript for the last twenty years, it's been in use now. Um, is by just further sandboxing and sandboxing this thing. Uh, that's what Chrome does so incredibly well, and they will just completely sandbox away features, whole features of JavaScript, so that they can't do damage on a system. So the writing apps uh, in JavaScript is really dependent on the sandbox that's run in. Yeah, um, I believe they've said yeah. they are going to be supporting uh electron packaged apps um so that is uh that's based on chromium so that's they have a good option there um electron slaps electron apps are known for being quite slow and a lot of this this industry of web apps is actually moving towards progressive web apps um and that's going to be where a lot of the focus is going in the coming years is uh is implementing progressive web apps which run 
natively much more faster than uh, Electron package. I'm apps. surprised that no one's mentioned yet that these guys are going to be competing against Ethereum. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are bigger, more sophisticated projects. I mean, the fact that they're getting financing from consensus <laughs> is is kind of humorous in and of itself. Um, but at the same time, I mean, how, how could they compete with something like Ethereum, which is where the concept of dApps came from? And there is so much money and development going into that right now. Well, the the advantage they do have over Ethereum is this sidechain thing. Um, so they theoretically should not have a CryptoKitties issue where yeah. you have a dApp explode in popularity and it slows down the whole chain yeah. um, because they can just be launched on a sidechain. Well, what Liska's just done by launching Ethereum achieved years ago, and mm -hmm. what Liska's trying to achieve with a sidechain, so is Ethereum. I mean, if I was a betting man and this was an auger, um, <laughs> I would ah, tie it back in. Uh, hey, um, full I, circle. I would, I would put my money on Ethereum. I mean, Vitalik is a robot. He, <laughs> he is, stays up. He has 25 hours in a day. I guarantee you. But look, on a different note, I think there's something that's worth analyzing here for a second. Have you guys seen their team website? No, I have not. I, I would like to bring some significant analysis to this team website. <laughs> This is the valuable analysis that people listen to this podcast. This is why Bill Gates, Melinda Gates, listens she, to this. Are they members on the team? They are. They are friends of the pod. Um, can we use that term? Was that been trademarked? I guess we need you to be careful. We just did. So I think we just we're did. Good. We're just going to let it happen. <laughs> Look, so I was analyzing the, um, the team. We have 24 folks on the development side. And what I love about the development team is that you've got this curious looking gentleman who's giving you this little like, <laughs> eh, stink eye. <laughs> But you can tell the dev team is great by how absolutely unattractive the team is. <laughs> they have put Ooh, a lot of effort. Fired. <laughs> they put a lot of efforts into getting the right people. They weren't hiring based on any other reason other than they were getting the best people for this project. There was no one in HR saying, "I want to hire the most attractive people." Um, they wanted the real hardcore coders. And I looked through some of these, and my God, this team has some damn good experience. Like, legitimately, they have phenomenal coders. And what I, I love I just about like it, the fact that they're they're all staring off in different directions yeah, with these pictures. Like the what one, is going on behind the scenes here? The one guy's maintaining that pictures. like uncomfortable, overly uh, maintained eye contact, and you could just you can't help but every like look every couple seconds back at him to see if he's still looking he's at you. Still looking at you. <laughs> but um, look, so you can tell a team is good by by that and that alone after you've gone through some details but then if you look at the marketing marketing team which they've put below they are the most attractive people they've got this they've got this figured out they know how to figure this marketing team out they've got like the the best cryptographers and front-end engineers and back-end developers and they've got this handsome ready to dominate the marketing that has to happen they've got the back-end team back at the office and they've got these forward-facing individuals that's 10 out of 10 yeah they right have there. a solid team here i mean i don't think Except minus one for whoever took these photos <laughs> yeah like, it's gonna be a no for me dog there's gotta be a reason so uh, some sort of pattern to the people that they allowed to look into the camera i'm convinced of this so i'm gonna like plot it out on maybe my, this uh, is like binary it's like a help sos code <laughs> they've all been kidnapped and they're on a boat somewhere we should so looking at the cameras a zero and, and look no not looking at the cameras a zero looking at the cameras a one what if it's trinary oh looking at the camera looking left. left looking right we'd have to get the folks that i owe to, to assist yeah. with that yeah we'll have to it's uh a wallet address for a million lists <laughs> 
Look, I, I can tell you whose idea this was. Uh oh. I already know. It's it. Look, it has to be the creative lead because he's laughing in his picture. He's like, "Look what I've done, made these idiots." <laughs> Where is the creative yes. lead at? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, he's <laughs> he's uh, killing it. So there was one person that really stood out, and I think that this is the most interesting person on this, and he is listed under operations as a board member, uh, Pascal Schmid, who has been photoshopped to a point of being glossy. glossy. I'm sorry, I couldn't even get that all the way out. We are off the rails. This has gone off. This is how deep our uh, our due diligence goes. Pascal, bro, I think you need to get them to redo that photo. But uh, no, I I really like the team. On a serious note, their developers are fantastic. I looked through a bunch of their, uh, their resumes and looked at a couple of GitHubs and these folks have got some some pretty significant expertise, and um, I'm excited to see where this thing goes for sure. I would yeah. be much more excited if it was Python. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's an interesting point. Is do you know of any projects that are uh, building with Python and Python alone? No, not off the top of my head. Um, so I, I build think... these pythons every day at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Bruh. And you know he flexed when he did Bruh. that too. Yes, he did. You know, there's not enough room in the in the in the booth, guys. So I think it's also worth noting that uh, there's a reason. Uh, after analyzing how these people look, that we're a podcast and not some kind of video. Um, Speak for yourself. Uh, but uh, look, with those guns, I don't think people could handle it, Ben. Um, so what's uh, what's next for us? I think we've we've kind of uh, we've run around and so lost, we need to lost we need to, a little bit. to roll for next week. Yeah, let's go ahead and... Uh... Well, no, I, I think we're well, skipping think over something. Wrapping, wrapping up uh, list here. I, I mean, we really didn't do a pro and con here, but but I think it's because everyone kind of had good things to say about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, so, Lorbeth, what do you I, think? It, uh, yeah. You interested it, it in this project? It looks pretty exciting. Um, I think maybe... So, being the probably least tech-savvy one here... So I think, do you think, so like, just as a general question, do you think it's JavaScript because maybe it, it would make it more accessible and give it like a broader base yeah, rather than using another They're uh, trying to reach language? the widest audience possible in terms of developers. I think they're, uh, they're more JavaScript developers and JavaScript is more ubiquitous than pretty much any other programming language in the world so yeah uh, and like jared said you can go learn it relatively simply so i mean i think that i think that's smart in a way because you um you have more you know potential uh users i guess but anyway yeah i think it looks like a a good project i will be interested to see what happens with these um side chains if you had fifty dollars would you would you consider spending it on on list i would I would. Hashtag not legal advice. Not all financial advice. Yeah. One one thing I did notice is the the fees on Lisk are kind of high. Like it's point one Lisk every time to send uh send a transaction. Yeah, uh, no which matter is what. Like thirty cents. Yeah, no matter what, it's thirty cents. Wow. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Ether's sitting around one or two cents right now. Yeah, you know, I didn't look to see if Lisk was mined. Ooh. No, it's it's, it's uh, delegate proof yeah, stake. Yeah, sorry, we did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My bad. Uh, okay, so what's up next? We're we gonna, need to pick our crypto yeah, of the week. That's right. Crypto of the week first. Well, this is week two of us with a new structure, right? Where we're not going pro and con. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the yeah, conversation conversations about what's going on with it. Help us get a little more conversational as opposed to trying to yeah, force and we, a negative. Or once positive. again, if if you're just listening and you missed last week, we've switched from the format of one to one hundred. Um, we're down to one to fifty. 
top 50 cryptos and then we're also abandoning the old way of pros and cons and we're just going with an overall everybody's overall thoughts about the project and then at the end we're trying to see you know whether we think this the project's going places or whether the coin is doomed that's right so (laughs) (laughs) it's either one or the other okay there's no in between no middle ground love it so what's uh what's the random number generator saying Uh, uh, the random number generator has given us a very interesting coin Number 38, which is, in fact, Sciacoin. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> I think we should respin of all coins. <laughs> no, no. I think this is a good one. I mean, we'll have to uh, we'll have to think long and hard about what we do here, but I think this is probably a good one for us to, yeah. to do. Yeah, we can give this the old one-two skidoo. I think we could one-two skidoo this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Wait, is that... consider it one-two skidun. Yeah. Is, is this an uh, actual hey. drawing, or did you just make that up just to make this real difficult for us? No, that's an actual that's drawing. Funny. That's funny. It, that's irony. It, it may not have been the first number I rolled, but it, yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. Just hitting that number. Okay. Um, so up next, let's do the uh, Ben's ben, subtle, ben's subtle wink. week of the week. Of the week. Wink of the week. This wink is of the ra- week. This is rapidly becoming my favorite part. It's going to be good. So not to be mistaken for legal or financial advice, as you're better off listening to advice from a caravan of camels, as their advice won't be as camouflaged as mine. Hey. Just a couple laughs. So quick throwback. <laughs> That's not laughing. No. I'm just shaking my head on my shit. So quick, quick throwback to last week. I think uh, we talked about Zero X was what we were pushing for. Yeah, I think it you know jump 30 percent but you know i don't know if we called that they probably heard the pod and then markets went crazy as usual so hats off to everybody on that one who already participated in tip the, of the hat and the wag of the finger yes <laughs> wag of the finger um this week's wink goes out to Ticketmaster, the notoriously overinflated face of concert tickets everywhere all right, much to the bane of a many a concert goer's existence now anyone anywhere will be able to see how much you've paid for those fees to get those tickets um, Golly, the answer is too damn much. The answer is too damn much. So I have never used Ticketmaster ever. Really? What's, what's what's so bad about it? So it's uh buying tickets, concert tickets, show tickets, any number of events. But you know, this says I don't know, let's just say forty four ninety five for tickets. By the time you get say you buy a pair of them, that should be ninety bucks. By the time you get to your checkout in Ticketmaster, it is hundred and twenty bucks. It's like hundred yeah. It's like I don't think I've ever bought a ticket where the fee was less than like fifteen dollars. Yeah. They even charge oh. they charge you a four ninety five convenience fee. Or at least I don't know how much it is. They charge a convenience fee to print it off at home. Yeah, wow. so they 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 got hit with a class action a few years back and uh, had to. They sure did. That was had to cut back on that a little bit, which I still have not been able to redeem my free tickets uh, because one, the concerts that they make available for this generally are not all that great, and two, they sell out immediately. So yeah, so this wink is actually hopefully we're going to see something happen here. They bought Upgraded, which was a blockchain technology company which specifically served, you know, live events industry. Um, what they do is it kind of converts the traditional ticket sales into like a secure interactive digital asset. So it's on the blockchain now. And they say that it'll give Ticketmaster greater visibility over the ticket distribution. And, you know, it will also prevent people buying fraudulent tickets or being sold fraudulent tickets. I happened to some friends of mine who bought tickets hmm. before wow. and then showed up at a concert and they said, no, these aren't good. Hmm. But, what it looks like is that they're also trying to cut down on the bots buying. If you if you've ever been to a really 
popular show and you know it says be online at 10 10 a.m that morning to buy your tickets sometimes at 10 10 they're sold out but you know one bot for somebody has bought a thousand tickets and they're going to sell them at a markup on those other ticket sites wow Mm -hmm. so they're trying to cut down on that with with the use of this blockchain too but you know you got to hope that some transparency and all the fees and stuff hopefully will will we'll make the market better or it will reduce those fees somehow. I think that's wishful thinking though. I have no faith that Ticketmaster is going to change their ways. Yeah. They have like hardly any competition. So it's like, yeah, yeah. they, they've partnered with like all of the major uh, venues now so that they have like first crack at selling these tickets. Um, whereas um, before you used to be able to just go to the box office and, uh, and, and purchase them there without these, crazy high fees and so yeah they're they they've been working pretty hard at getting getting a monopoly in this space wow i had literally had no idea about any of this do you think that uh well first of all i think that ticketmaster probably has a little bit of a a reputation and credibility problem to rehab with the class action and you know everybody i think i mean at least three out of four of us on this podcast have a the three out of four cool ones that is (laughs) sort of a negative connotation of Ticketmaster. jared's crying in the corner of here because he's not cool enough to buy tickets um it's we know it's because he doesn't have any friends to go with shows it's 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 all my bots that are buying the tickets (laughs) they're my friends damn you jared and your bots So I think, you know, three out of four of us have sort of a negative impression of Ticketmaster. I think that they have a a long ways to go in sort of rehabbing their image. Um, Do you think that having a blockchain technology company sort of doing some of the work for them where, you know, transparency is supposed to be a thing helps? Well, ideally, they would use the blockchain technology to their benefit and, you know, set up a, a easier way to sell and issue and ensure that tickets that people are buy are real and they're not fraudulent. They actually work and that they're for a agreed upon amount that doesn't change when you get to the <laughs> damn cart. I mean, I guess it just depends. I think that that's what we'd like to see. You know, whether they implement that, that's something that we'll have to see. Yeah, I think combating fraud with fake tickets and everything is going to be the main thing that they're going to use this for. Um, I would be shocked if they did much else with it because <laughs> that's not, that's not their in their business to, yeah, it's not their MO either. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's true. I, I had no idea that bots would be buying up tickets. But yeah. It makes perfect, perfect so sense. as much I mean, as 60% of the ticket of the, the whole amount of tickets for the biggest shows are bought by bots. Like, Instant, you know, as soon as as soon as the 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 tickets say they they go on for sale, that happens yeah. a lot. I mean, especially for popular shows. You know, us being in the Raleigh Durham area, there's a lot of good venues where you can check out shows at. And, you know, I think Chris Stapleton was here last week. Those tickets were gone in the first couple of days, and then if you wanted a, a loan ticket, which is typically like thirty five, forty bucks, I mean, I think you're paying one hundred and fifty, one hundred and thirty, something like that. I mean. It's it's been a problem yeah. to where the people that want to see the artist or want to see the show or whatever they're going to see can't afford it because they get priced yeah. out because they're not sitting at that computer exactly when the tickets drop. So hopefully this will combat that and, and make it a little bit easier for some of us regular folks to, to get in on the ticket action. I had this issue because I'm a 60-year-old lady in my heart with uh, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to Margaritaville. Fast. <laughs> So anyway, that's interesting and uh, exciting, and I 
look forward to seeing how upgraded changes, you know, the game if they do it all with Ticketmaster's policies. Yeah, it should be it should be a really interesting thing to see. Oh, I'm just fully expecting more of the same. No upgrading to any kind of new technology is going to cause them to change their MO. That'll only happen with They bought with the company so they couldn't use it against them. They just oh, bought yeah. out their competition. Yep. Even though uh, they got hit with that class action? I definitely I definitely expect them, and I know nothing about them, to continue to be assholes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why would they change it? Bad. Unless it gets legislated away, it's, it's, they'd be giving away profits. They're never going to do that. Not in this space, at least. Well, anyway, I think that's probably a good point for us to, uh, to end the show. I hate that we have to end on such a pessimistic note, but um, I guess that's just the nature of, uh, of business with Ticketmaster. Um, we just a bunch of negative Nancys today. Yeah, it has. Uh, well, I guess not overall, but just that last part was uh, was pretty negative, Nancy. Oh wait, um, Ben, did you have another wink about um, Coinbase? Yeah, I guess we could call that a wink. Another double wink. <laughs> double wink is that just do, like a do, regular do, ass do. blink? It's a blink. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blink. Okay, so. Yep. Um, <laughs> Queen. Should we just blend blink, Ben and Wink and just call it Ben's Blink? So <laughs> what Coinbase is doing is they're allowing crypto to be exchanged for e-gift cards. Uh, and they actually are through some services, including Ticketmaster. And Google Play. And, Google, and Uber. Oh, wow. So, you know, okay. when you have those fractions of fractions of cryptocurrency left over that you can't transfer anywhere. I mean, I, I'm assuming. The dust, that, yeah. That dust, the, yeah. the residue, if you will. So, um, are we prepared for a triple wink here? Because I, 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 this is unprecedented. <laughs> Only if you wash your hands before. <laughs> okay. Well, um, consider them washed. Ew. I don't know what that even means, but it sounds disgusting. So, um, I've I've quit using Uber. Uh, if I'm going to use something, I'm going to use Lyft because yeah, every I've Lyft that you too. used, uh, you use every mile, you get a scar mile on Delta. Oh. So um, you do a little bit of uh, one-two skidooing in the old Lyftaroo, and suddenly. You're um, you're jet setting somewhere fancy. Speaking so, of companies that are generally dicks, I just switched away from Uber because they've uh, got a reputation. They've got a reputation. So yeah. I've had both apps on my phone for a while now, and there's no reason not to shop the market. But Lyft is consistently a dollar or two cheaper, and I'm going for the cheaper option. And most people drive for both anyway, yeah. so yeah. you're getting yeah. the and same the, people. Most people with the Lyft actually have like a it's like a little led thing on the front of their car and it tells you like your arrival time it'll say your name up there you feel like you're fan you feel like you're special in there <laughs> it's a great way to get kidnapped <laughs> <laughs> just throwing it out there for this our... a really really dark black car does a tent need to be that dark <laughs> what alleyway is this sir? okay sure ben land us here take us out all right guys thanks for listening once again this is at initial legal at twitter.com reach out to us if you want if there's something you want us to talk about if there's something on your mind if there's something you think we should investigate please don't hesitate to let us know that's at initial legal at twitter.com tune in next week for our discussion on sci yep super excited thank you so much for listening it's been our pleasure see you next week thanks 